Hello and welcome to another episode of the Comic Guy and Movie Guy podcast. Um, yeah, we got a few things to talk about this week. Uh, we, award season is upon us in the movie world, among other things, and uh, uh, plenty of stuff happening in the comic world as well. Dan, yeah, what, what do you got going on in the comic world? Let's start in the comic world a little bit here. That's where we should start. Especially since last episode, which sorry for the audio issues on that one, by the way. Uh, we pretty much talked the whole time in the movie world about like one specific director. So, <laughs> so yeah, let's start with the comics. Well, really, uh, I, I got some uh, cool stuff to cover, but also we're going to have to talk about the Golden Globes. You and I have different opinions on the Golden Globes awards show, especially in the COVID year. Things are really strange with movie theaters being shut down, streaming services becoming more and more legit. This is definitely an award season like no other. Um, and, and, and mostly in the sense that uh, I don't think I've seen most of anything that's being nominated. Obviously, the Golden Globes are a little bit, you know, quite a bit different than the Oscars, but there's still, you know, similar people get nominated in both of these, you know, premiere shows. So I want to get your take on that. But before we get into that, um, some really cool news on the comic front. Uh, a lot of fans uh, have been asking for this for a long time, but Keanu Reeves is finally debuting his comic book called Berserker coming from Boom Studios, which is a, a kind of an indie studio that's been getting a lot of hype over the last couple of years, doing a lot of cool, you know, original properties and some cool adaptations and, and whatnot. So Boom Studios is releasing Berserker. Um, the cool thing about this is it's written by Keanu Reeves. So co-written by the man himself, starring Keanu Reeves. <laughs> so I was worried so, about that. So, so it's actually a character. It's not actually the character is not actually named Keanu Reeves, uh, but he's, he, looks he, looks, like he looks just like him. Kind of like he looks how just unwanted like, the character looked just like Eminem. Yeah, but that was a stunt. That was that was a really brilliant stunt by Mark Miller, the writer, to to get attention on his comic book was to do uh, have all the characters look like, excuse me, look like established movie stars and wanted because uh, actually the Wanted movie didn't have much to do with the comic book at all. It was like maybe 10% of the movie was from the comic. It was totally different. But anyways, I, dig I digress. So so Keanu Reeves is coming out. So the thing that's crazy about this is this book has been uh, delayed a couple times now. It was announced a couple months or not longer than that. It was announced a while back. Everybody got really excited because Keanu Reeves is now kind of become one of those. He's kind of like, uh, I guess, like the rock where kind of everybody likes him. Like there's not a lot of people who don't like Keanu Reeves. There's not a lot of people who don't like The Rock. And I'm sure there's gonna be a point here where you say you're like one of the people who doesn't like either one of them. But uh, but my point is like, they're, they're, they're really generally beloved people that generally everyone kind of likes to some extent. So I don't know, for the record, I don't have a problem with either of them. I don't, I mean, I definitely, I can't remember the last Rock movie I've seen, but I don't dislike The Rock. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like basically, even if you're not a fan per se, you don't have any like, you know, I don't like you feelings, you know, I don't, or, you know, you're not, most people are like, yeah, you're least entertaining figure and you know, you're, you're whatever. So uh, for, so for Keanu Reeves, obviously he's, he's kind of, you know, John Wick, especially really kind of cemented his, you know, cult status and whatnot. And he just, you know, he's got the matrix four coming out. He just did the bill and Ted after whatever, 20 years. So uh, he's like really in like the center of like the geek love, uh, circle right now but is and, he like a known comic book fan Keanu Reeves or uh, what what is that where where how, like how does the crossover happen just because the comic world likes him or is he like it's not that's a great question actually um I can't say that I know 
much about him being a, a comic fan. I'm I'm pretty sure he's probably a casual one at, at best, uh, or maybe he is a big fan. And I and I just haven't read the interview or whatever because I, I can't even lie. So if anyone's listening and you want to send me the link to the Keanu Reeves uh, article where he talks about his love of comics, that's cool. So you've never you know, you've never ran into him at any comic cons though, uh, in costume or anything. Well, you never know. You never know. There was at one time. Uh, no, who knows? But um, but yeah, the the point is that uh, it, it's just one of those things where the comic medium has become so uh, popular. Both the Kickstarter campaigns uh, happen all the time, where basically people just know they can kind of get anything made. And now it's become really, really popular. Where go get a comic book made, and there's a high likelihood that'll get Hollywood's attention. You can get it optioned. Like comic books have always been a springboard for movies and an option uh, situation. They've always been that, but but that's gone through the roof these last couple of years now, where people are just cre- even creators who are really successful with Marvel, DC, and doing really great there. Everyone knows you have to do something creator owned because it's almost all if it's halfway decent concept, you're going to get an option. But Keanu so, Reeves doesn't need to do that. He can get a movie option. And yeah, but uh, but away. again, get a movie option that you you you're the creator of. I mean, you're talking about I'm I'm the creator, then it becomes a movie. The producer, so he's the, the co-creator. Actor. He's the co-creator, and this is like a superhero-driven thing. Then oh, it hasn't come out yet. It's coming out like next week. It comes out like the first week of March. And so it's an that, independent book. Yep. Yeah, yeah, called called Berserker. Berserker. It seems like it's like kind of like a futuristic, dystopian. This he's a badass, bearded, long-haired Berserker. guy. Yeah, exactly. But Do the point is, it's kind of it's kind of got like, but it's funny because Berserker's kind of got uh, it's kind of got snakes on a plane kind of hype a little bit. You remember when that movie was coming out and everybody was like, "This looks so corny and crazy, but kind of awesome." But then it was really just kind of corny and trashy. <laughs> but but it kind of had like an excitement. There's like a social media kind of excitement around the concept of this movie. That's kind of like what it is with Berserker, where people are like generally excited that there's a Keanu Reeves comic book coming out. Uh, they, they've even made like really rare copies. Like there's a, there's like an exclusive cover that's like one in one in like a hun- uh, one in like a thousand or something like that, which is really rare. I uh, believe the hype. Yeah. But wait, so and are they timing Keanu this? Reeves is, Keanu Reeves is doing like a special comic book signing and exclusive to this. So he's, but when he's, does he's, this wait? When does this come out? Next week. And what does Ma- when does Matrix Four come out? I think it's like the holidays later this year, like the end of the year. Uh, it almost seems like it could be some cross promotional thing because that's the, that's the same sort of audience no i think it's just something that he's been working on and he's you know wanted to do it you know i, I i'm actually shocked that nicholas cage hasn't created a comic book we have a nick cage comic book out there somewhere like the uh oh, the drum. i mean no, no i mean he's a, he's but, a very famous yeah. fan so that's what right I'm yeah that is shocking he, I, he, he does he does pretty much anything like we talked about not too long ago john carpenter just wrote a joker comic book the drummer, the drummer of System of Down, John Dolan, man, he has a comic book that just came out. The Trailer Park Boys just announced that they're going to have their own comic book. They're doing a, I mean, so I'm saying like anybody has a quasi interest in the medium is just like, yeah, I'm going to do stuff there. So it is actually really. I wonder if he's ever case. gotten, if he's ever gotten the invitation to like be a part of a comic book or like writing. Or, I mean, he's not. He's he is very much so, like a performer like Nicolas Cage he's never tried to cross over into into directing or into writing like I, even producing I don't even know if he's done much producing like he loves to perform and to act oh, yeah. like that's oh, his yeah. thing so 100%. so maybe uh, and he and he's a big collector too like he loves to collect all these eccentric things so 
Maybe he just likes I, I, being that, a fan. I, I'm surprised he's not like a like you know a publisher or like a co-owner of a small indie publisher or something. You know, like the fact that he has no involvement in the industry, given his love of it and given how much crossover you're seeing. Given in that he's named after a comic book character. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I mean. That's actually I never really like thought about it until you know we're talking about it now. But it is really surprising that he doesn't have any sort of presence. I think, at I all. think he's the only actor in the history of actors to be named after a comic book character. <laughs> I mean, he was very ahead of the curve in that way. Now look how everything's flipped. And that's, uh, that's our Nicholas Cage for you. That's our Nicholas. Maybe Cage. he's still mad that he he didn't get to play Superman. Maybe he's still mad about that because that was like. Did you see that documentary about it? It's like a full documentary about it. Yeah. With all the it has all no. the Tim Burton has all the Tim Burton footage with with him. I've seen most of that footage, but yeah, there's a whole documentary about like what happened and like Where? how far they uh, plug it. Where is this? Like on? An, uh, I think I saw it on YouTube. I honestly can't. I I, I I think it's called like the Life and Death of Superman or something or other. But it was like um, it came out a year or two ago. But it's it's pretty good. It's like an hour. And, we know. want the Tim Burton cut. Screw the yeah. Snyder cut, man. We want the Tim Burton Superman cut. Um, I, I would love to see. I, I, I always, I'm always interested in what Tim Burton's doing. Even Tim Burton misses are are still pretty interesting to me. That's what definitely you, one of my most anticipated movies uh, coming up. I think this year is uh, Nicolas Cage as the Tiger King. Does That's that come what, out this year? I think so because I think they've already shot it. I I can't say for sure, but I mean that movie. There's no way that movie's not going to be a hit. I mean, everyone that saw the Tiger King, which is a lot of people, because that the timing of that coming out was perfect. There's no way every single person that saw the documentary series is not going to want to see the movie. Is like especially with Nicolas Cage playing. Uh, oh, uh, it's Joe, it, it, Joe Exotic. I mean, it's such a perfect role. Like no matter what he does with that role, even if he just goes full Nicolas Cage with it, it would still I mean, work. Like he it's can't, still an he, odd pick, though. I mean, when I because you know, like, but I, he I, when I think of Joe Exotic and I think of Nicolas Cage playing Joe Exotic. I mean, I think they should have cast like David Spade as Joe Exotic. Oh, no, dude, are you kidding Joe me? Think, Dirt? Think, about, no. think about David Spade as Joe Exotic. That would be, that would be horrible, dude. That would be what? a bad like Adam Sandler movie. Jo- I'd watch that. Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. If he could play Charlie Kaufman, he could play Joe Exotic. I mean, jo- yeah, yeah. I'll never, I'll never put any limitations on Cage's ability. But basically, yeah. you're basically gonna get either a surprisingly good movie that might be like Oscar worthy good movie. Or you're gonna get something that's so bad that's good, oh, like shark, like shark, like Sharknado. No, no Nicholas Cage is gonna have fun with it. it. It's not a, it's not gonna be so good. It's award worthy. That that's Tiger King is not an award worthy story. It's, that's not for the kind sure. Of, it is. It's so ridiculous. Are you kidding me? Was that award worthy though? It's like darkly comic. It's they it's, could do uh, it like if they did it like I Love Tanya or uh, that would be uh, that's that's how I'm envisioning oh, no. the tone. The I'm tone not, of it. man. I'm 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 envisioning it like Bad Lieutenant. Like I'm envisioning like. Uh, port of port of call or whatever that that one was. I'm envisioning Nicholas Cage's call. I'm envisioning Nicholas Cage is going full cage with it. Like I'm I'm expecting him to like not he. I don't think he's gonna try to impersonate Joe Exotic. He's just gonna like wear the hat and have the hair and just like if I just see him wrestling around with tigers and like with his with his uh boyfriend that's all tatted up. I mean, there's no way that he could go wrong with that role. Like. Like I said, he can play it any way he wants. There's also and, and there's also there's also no way that there's not going to be a Carol Baskin like huge rant with him, where yeah. I can just see Cage in character just throwing stuff or you know Carol Baskin, yeah. Carol like he's just gonna have a huge like. Where's like, Carol Baskin? Yeah, Carol Baskin, this huge moment. Who's who's Carol Baskin? They they I cast know. her. I should look. They should try to get John Travolta in it somewhere too. Get, get Kate, play, Kate, uh... Kate Blanchett. Get Kate Blanchett as Carol Baskin. There you go. 
Kate Blanchett. I'm trying to think who would be a good Carol uh, Baskin. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Meryl Streep will probably end up playing playing Carol Baskin. Oh, that would be awesome. Do a little adaptation reunion. Yeah, totally. Imagine if, yeah, imagine if they got good movies. I just think got Spike Jones to direct the Tiger King movie. Uh, All right, we're got a little off topic here. They already have a director and everything, don't they? I mean, it's a, it's like in production, isn't it, for Tiger King? I don't know, man. I have, I just heard that Nicolas Cage was playing Joe Exotic, and I was like, I'm in. I don't need to hear anything else. So, I haven't really looked in it past that. But uh, our, our, our mutual friend and uh, and longtime podcast lover Paul Andrade uh, said there was a Nicolas Cage movie. Uh, called uh, I, man, I forget the name of it, but uh, Wally's Wonderland. Uh, no, that that you were telling me about that, which also looks awesome. Uh, some ju like some sort of jujitsu Nicolas Cage movie. Oh yeah, I think it's called Jujitsu. <laughs> yeah, I think it's called Jujitsu, and, and he he said it was just amazing. Yeah, he saw it in theaters like during the pandemic, and he said it was. Did See, you this, also? This, this young man risked his life to go to a movie. <laughs> yeah. He, Nicholas Cage in a jujitsu movie. That's true I mean, dedication. That's a real. That's, that's, that's a real Nicholas Cage fan. Is it like Nicholas Cage should like fly to his house and give him like a basket of flowers, something something like that for for such a, a gesture of fandom. Okay, so it says, um, "Untitled Joe Exotic Project." So it's going to be like a mini series, just like the documentary series. Maybe they're going to like reenact episode for. Episode. Okay, so okay, know. so it's not a movie then. It's like a Netflix thing. It's going to be eight kind part of a... mini series. It says, uh, did, "By the way, did you know in Wally's Wonderland he doesn't he doesn't say a single word. He has, doesn't have a single line of dialogue." <laughs> <laughs> did you know that? I, I I just want you to repeat that sentence yeah. one more time that you just said. Yeah, and Wally's just, Wonderland. Just repeat, it, it, just repeat the sentence one more time for me. He doesn't have a single line of dialogue. Nicholas Cage is starring in Wally's Wonderland, yeah. where he fights supernatural Muppets. And in this movie, he has no, no animatronic dialogue. animatronics like a Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, he like battles. Oh, like sorry, Chuck E. Cheese yeah. Muppets instead of the Jim Henson yeah. Muppets. My bad. My bad. I, Appar apparently, the guy that wrote the movie wrote the characters like a mute with like no dialogue because he thought he wasn't going to get any money for the script and he thought he was going to have to play the part and he's like well i can't really act so i'm just going to write it so i don't have any lines and then somehow nicholas cage got attached to nicholas cage got the script and said he he was in like he read the script like he's like i'm in and they're like oh then we should add some dialogues we got nicholas cage down and, he, and nicholas cage is like no, I like it like it. I like it as it is. Don't change it. And he insisted that he play the character without any, any dialogue or any lines. So uh, that just made me want to see it more, though. The guy is such a legend. He's yeah. like, uh, has has he ever made a movie with Gary Busey? I feel like I feel like if Nicolas Cage and Gary Busey made a movie together, it would be just the the internet would explode. There, he needs to make he needs to make another movie with Willem Dafoe. They need to team up again. I want to see. I want to see Face Off 2 with Gary Busey and Nicolas Cage. Yeah. I don't know. I think Gary Busey's done with acting. So that so the uh, Joe Exotic thing, there's no information on it. It just says untitled Joe Exotic Project. So they just basically announced it. And then they said it's going to be eight episodes, but there's like no names attached to the IMDb. It just says Nicolas Cage. That's it. That's all so, you need to say. What if it? What if it's uh, Nicholas Cage playing the, the, every character, like uh, Eddie Murphy and the Nutty Professor? What if it's just Nicholas Cage? What if it's just Nicholas Cage plays Carol Baskins and he plays all the characters? You can't really go wrong with him at this point. I mean, that, like I said, that that wouldn't make me not want to see it any less. Um, 
Now, there's nothing or, that can stop me from seeing that that mini. Even if he was playing the Tigers, like I would still be in. We love you, Cage. We love you. All right. So I need I need help. I need help from you because uh, I like I was talking about earlier. We've got the awards, you know, coming up. You know, the the Oscars. I think are like April and May. They're pushed out. Um, pretty much like everything else, you know, like with sports and everything else, everything's just kind of a little diminished, a little bit less with everything going on in the pandemic and whatnot. You know, movies haven't really been able to release. Release dates are moving around everywhere. It's, so it's it's been even, you know, much more confusing season than ever before. But we've also been exposed to a lot more content. People are watching things like never before because of obviously being stuck at home so much. So it's an interesting kind of, you know, dynamic out there where, you know, we've had less movies released uh, than ever before, but more content released potentially than ever before. So it really makes for an interesting award season. Uh, so the Golden Globes have obviously always kind of been like, you know, Oscars light, you know, to, to you know, as far as prestige goes. Uh, but I've always kind of enjoyed the Golden Globes because they always seem like they have more fun. They're a lot more loose. You know, they're not, you know, I guess like probably the Spirit Awards and some of those are you know even more prestigious, but it's like a fun award show and whatever. And they also have like, you know, random categories that you don't see in other award shows and stuff. So anyways, that's the first one, the major one that's coming up. And that's actually this weekend. So like usual, when these award shows come around, you know, I'm always checking out like who got nominated mainly to see like, okay, what are these movies or shows that are out that everyone seems to say are really good and have I seen them? And so I'm just going to kind of rattle off uh, some of the categories and some of the, um, some of the nominees and I kind of like, I just want to kind of get your opinion on, yeah, cause, a, okay, on, I, on A, here's what I want to hear. I want to hear A, uh, have you seen any of these? Yeah. <laughs> have you seen any of these? Because for me, a lot of them more than any year, which is really weird. That's what I'm saying. It's really weird to me that I'm like, I've watched a lot of shit because I've been stuck home like everybody else. But somehow most of the stuff I've watched isn't award worthy, I guess. So, uh, so there's a lot of stuff I'm just not even familiar with. So A, I want to hear what you've seen. And then B, I'd like to hear just your opinion of who you think might win. All right. right. So I, real quick, I, I, yeah, I don't like the Golden Globes. I can't really stand them just because it's mostly like they spread the awards so thin and it just seems like they give as many people awards as possible from different shows and different movies, things so that they can, uh, you know, push those shows. Like it's kind of just like a marketing thing it feels like it just feels very like insincere and spread out so typically the golden globes to me are kind of a joke um but uh yeah and then this year i looked at i just sort of glanced at some of the nominees and yeah i didn't really <laughs> recognize i mean most of the things i feel the same like i hadn't really seen so um yeah, we can go through them. Which but. is telling, which is, that, which is again, is also kind of telling because there's just, like I said, I'll tell you the big you, problem you, you though. You see a lot of, you see a lot of the, you know, more award worthy stuff, you know, you know, as it's more of like, your, but here's the, here's the issue, right? I mean, there's two, there's two major factors here. Um, one, I think the reason why both you and I haven't seen a lot of like these TV shows, for instance, uh, it's because there's so much content now. I mean, there's so much, there's so many streaming channels competing. Now you have Apple TV plus Hulu, HBO, Netflix, and they're all putting out these shows, hoping that they're going to win awards because that's how they'll um, get, you know, find an audience. And, and if they have, if they don't have one yet, like the awards will sort of push it up, push it up to that level. So there's that, that there's just so much content, especially in the TV world. 
that it's overwhelming. You often don't know where to start, or there's just a lot of stuff, a lot of competition. So you're thinking, well, I, I could watch this or I could watch this. And you know, uh, you got to choose because there's just too much. You can't watch it all. So that's one factor. And then the other major factor is just that uh, all the cinemas are closed. So a lot of us haven't been able to get out and see these movies. A lot of these movies haven't been released yet. And there was um, criticism and complaints about that, that, you know, a lot of the movies that are nominated are going to get nominated. Only critics have seen because a lot of, we haven't really had a chance to see them yet. They haven't even made it to streaming platforms yet. So, yeah. So, I mean, those are, those are two factors. Some of these things will be, uh, just haven't even been released yet. But anyway, well, that's, that's what I mean, right? Like that, that's what I'm saying. It's just a really strange year. I mean, so, so, you know, it's one of those things like, is it, you know, people who win this year, is there an asterisk next to it for the fact that there was less competition than ever before? Uh, I mean, not a lot was, not a lot was released. Yeah. And uh, what was, that'd be lame, but it's, look, but, if there's going to be any type of asterisk is should be in sports. <laughs> Not in uh, the arts. Well, some people, some people say the opposite. Some people say that the asterisk should be like it was the hardest ever to win these championships this way because, and that's why everybody freaks out about Tom Brady, and you know even people who hate hate Brady now basically have to like, kind of just admit that the guy's just amazing because to to it's unheard of to switch teams, and immediately have that much success and not just that much success but the greatest success, not to mention that you didn't get an off season to prepare, to learn the playbook, to get your own team. It's like all the things that are impossible to do were like harder than ever before. But despite all that, you still like, that's what makes his accomplishment with the Buccaneers so incredible. So that's, I mean, when the sports side, it's, it's the op and the sports side, it's the opposite. Someone's a Brady fanboy. No, uh, no, are you kidding me? <laughs> no, I like, dude, I'm, I'm a Seahawks. He's been fan. playing for quite a while. He, he knows dude, how to play the game. For a 43 year old guy. To leave the team that he's had all the success with, the system, the players, knows everything inside and out, to go to a completely different conference, completely different team, to completely different players, and get no offseason. I mean, that it's incredible. That uh, each, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I'm saying I don't want to get like into like, Brady debate. I'm not necessarily discrediting like, him, but like, I'm saying know. I don't know if it would have been easy. I don't know if it would have been easier if, uh, if it was a regular season, but I don't know if I'd say that. Dude, are you? What it's a it, what, what? What about there's you don't know being, if it'd be easier? A hundred percent, it'd be easier to that's play a, a regular season. This, than... this, yeah, they got no training camp, Ty. That's basically like saying, do you think it'd be easier to do a movie? What about what about the factor? Two days of prep or three months of prep? What about the factor yeah, of three months of prep? I'd be able to make a better movie. I'd no, but it's all it's also like saying, uh, is it harder to perform a stage play in front of a packed out theater or an empty theater? Like. There's other factors too. It's not just um, sure. That, but I'm saying trip. everybody had to adjust to no no crowds and all that stuff. Everybody. So I'm saying the dude just what what he was able to do is just amazing. So, uh, anyways, I'm saying sports to me is a little bit different. Uh, but anyways, let, let's get to it. So the first category of the Golden Globes is uh, drama motion picture. So we got drama motion picture, which has Mank, Promising well, Young. I thought that's like one of the last ones. You're getting into that first, okay. I'm just going in order, but what I see here, bro, whatever I see, bro, I'm just reading off. Sorry if I, sorry if you want this to be like an, a real award show where I go with the lamest. Yeah. I start with the lamest categories and we save the good categories to the end. Oh, that's what we're all doing. right. Sorry. It's not that kind of show, bro. We're um, all right. So drama motion picture, which is one of the bigger categories, mm -hmm. which, which obviously stunned you um, that that's going to be Mank, promising young woman, 
The Father, The Trial of the Chicago Seven, and Nomadland. So before you comment, Nomadland is the movie, is probably the movie I want to see the most on this list that uh, I've heard good things about. We already talked about the director and, and how much we both like her. Uh, the Father, I'm not really aware of. Promising Young Woman was a movie I heard about, had some kind of interest in seeing, but kind of forgot about it. And now I'm reminded it exists. The Tri Trial of the Chicago 7, another movie I think I remember hearing about it, kind of completely forgot about it. So, so surprised to see it's apparently this good. And then Mank, as you know, I'm a big Gary, uh, Gary Oldman guy. So Mank, I uh, tried to watch like twice on Netflix, but I kept falling asleep. Mm. So, I mean, it's like David Fincher, it's Gary Oldman. It's kind of an interesting subject matter, but I don't know. I just haven't, it hasn't really connected with me, but apparently it's super good because it's nominated here. So I think Mank is definitely like one of the, one of the like obligatory nominees because of everything that went into that movie. But I, I, I mean, that's just my blind take on it because i have not seen mank i've heard you know it's one of those movies that i was looking forward to i did want to see and then i sort of fell into the trap of uh yeah i'll watch it eventually then i started hearing other people talk about it other people that have whatever similar taste or that taste that i respect <clears throat> didn't have the greatest things to say about it or just said it was um boring or gary oldman's performances over the top anyway all these things just made me put it off even further so i still do want to see it but i haven't sat down and watched it yet um i also yeah the score from trent Reznor and atticus ross um yeah oh, they, they did they, they worked on mink i yeah i believe so and everyone said that wow. the score was really good on that too they're kind of like fincher's guys now but um yeah. so i think I think the only film that I've seen on that list is Nomadland, which I just finally watched the other day. Um, the Father, I, The Father, I think, is the uh, Anthony and? Hopkins. Uh, it was great. Nomadland was everything I hoped it to be. And um, yeah, it's like a super um, timely story, even though it's also, yeah, even though it takes place like, I guess we can, like we can get into ago. it later, but. We can get into it later, but you essentially lived up to the hype as far as it's supposed to be an Oscar-worthy film. Yeah, great, great performance by Francis McDormand, and uh, you know, great directing. You know, you know, interesting, good story. Like, I'm excited to see it too. It sounds like you, you, and pretty much anybody I know who's, who's seen it said uh, they, they thought it was pretty good. Yeah, it's sort of like a really interesting, like American story that we haven't really seen. Um, it's kind of a side of America that you don't see or they don't talk about. They certainly don't put the movies. And one of the other things, not to get too deep into it, but um, you know, you gotta you gotta see a lot of old people in the film, like a lot of real old people that just are weathered and have this history all across their face. But there's these are real old people, and you get their real stories, and you realize you don't really see that a lot on screen because unless it's like a documentary or, or something, but most, most old people in movies are uh, like George Clooney or like old people that try as hard as they can to not look old. And uh, so anyway, that was a really refreshing part about the movie for me. Um, so if you, so what I've, what I'm taking away from this, if you're a fan of old people and weathered faces, then you better you better rush to i think hulu and uh, watch nomadland that's that's yeah, your plug if you're a big sam Elliott like fan this is your movie yeah, yeah. Um, like like if you it, like you know who's like one of the most weathered big actors that i saw like on some random show the other day and i was like holy shit that guy's weathered is uh robert redford uh dude what? The, that's not a good example dude he's like one of the most hollywood old looking dudes no, out dude, there have you seen him recently like too much sunshine like he's like 
extremely like he's just a giant like prune guy now he's just does like he a, still have blonde hair dan he's got great hair he's still got great hair <laughs> he still has blonde hair yeah i mean he's got yeah, ring, he, what is he 80 or something now I mean, he's his, his, his hair his hair would definitely beat up my hair in a fight but i mean ton, he, he's got he, a ton he, of wrinkles but he still looks like a hollywood actor if you saw him out in the street you would be like wow he doesn't look like a typical old man he looks like robert redford yeah and, i mean he's, yeah, yeah I mean, it's not like he, he, it's not like his handsomeness is not still there are no whatever, people but, in yeah. nomad land that look remotely like robert redford uh yeah well Maybe a couple older women are coming the closest, but uh, yeah. <laughs> oh boy, now 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 I'm getting excited. Woo! Some female some female Redfords out there on yeah. this one. Uh, okay, okay. So so what um, else? What so else the father. Uh, speaking of old people, actually, um, the father is supposed to be really good, which is Olivia Coleman and Anthony Hopkins. I believe uh, I've heard really good things, but I, once again, I think that film hasn't been released yet. I think it was just in theaters. Um, and so I don't think a lot of people have seen it, but I, I like, I know I have a friend who, who um, works at Sony and so he gets all the screeners. And so he's seen a lot of these movies and he, and he saw the father and raved about it and said how good it was because uh, Anthony Hopkins is getting old. Once again, you know, Anthony, see Anthony, Anthony Hopkins is a good example of like a really old person who still looks like a Hollywood actor um but uh what is he he's getting like dementia or something he's he has like dementia or something in the in the movie but they play the film plays a lot with like your sense of reality and what it actually feels like to to be in that headspace and so i so anyway that's supposed to be really good haven't seen it i don't like i said i don't know if it's out uh what are the other ones um uh, so nomad land you've seen the father mm-hmm. you haven't seen oh make, make you haven't seen the, la- the other two are promising young woman and the trial of chicago seven and promising one young woman is is that the carrie mulligan one carrie yeah. mulligan yeah I wish, i'm one. kind of surprised the golden globes are so weird like uh, i don't know i thought promising young woman was kind of like a dark comedy but maybe i'm wrong um, um, that's what the trailer seemed to indicate when I saw it. When the trailer looked like dark comedy. Yeah, but they have like quite a few different picture categories. They have like a musical comedy category and some other things. Yeah, I do want to see that, but once again, I see a lot of these movies. Maybe they have been released on VOD, but I, I do kind of take issue with spending twenty dollars, which is like more than I would spend on a movie ticket, to see the movie on my couch, and then when when I can see it on a streaming like a month from now, like I plus you're already paying for so much content yeah you already got sitting there right i'm the same way so i think i think promising young women might be on like vod or something but i um i haven't seen that um it's kind of one that i'll i'll wait a little bit for and then the try the seven uh what's the aaron sorkin one how do you it's the it's the title again it's the trial of the trial, chicago seven the chicago seven right so i started watching that and um it was all right. It was like a little bit hokey, a little bit cheesy, but it's still, you know, it's a, it's an, it's a important story. And, um, but I haven't finished it yet. I'm just not a big Aaron Sorkin fan. The trailer did, when I saw the trailer, it, it looked like a movie that should have come out like 20 years ago. Like, yeah, you know, we, we, for a while there, all, we were as a country, really like all those courtroom dramas and every John Grissom book was getting like adapted into a movie. Like, like right. that, it, kind of, it kind of gave that vibe to me, so that's why it didn't do much for me when I saw. And Aaron Sorkin loves the courtroom and political dramas, and to me, his writing is just very 
um contrived well, oh he wrote and directed. and directed it right so his wow. his writing is very to me just very uh contrived and like um like forced super long monologues and stuff and uh uh which i think in the hands of the right director can work really well like david fincher you know aaron sorkin i think his writing came across really well in um the social network like all those things work really well in the hands of a great director but in the in the hands of a not so great director i think all of the flaws in his writing really stand out and it feels very just yeah kind of um I don't know more more like a more like a stage play or something than a than a film. But that all that to say, I think Molly's Game, that Jessica Chastain movie, was the first movie that he directed, and and he also wrote that. I think that was the first movie he directed, and I hated that movie. I thought it was one of the worst directed movies I've ever I'd ever seen in my life, and I was like, okay, so he's one of the biggest writers in Hollywood, but please never let him direct a movie again. I hope everyone can agree that this was a bad idea. So when I found out that they let him direct another movie, I, I was not, I was not super excited to to see his uh, sophomore that's funny. effort. That, that's funny. Molly's Game is one of those movies that it's the true story is, is is interesting to me, and you know Jessica Chastain is always watchable. So um, I was I think I have it in my queue to like you know maybe someday watch. But um, yeah, I know critics seem to like it, but I haven't heard anybody that I actually know rave about it so i don't know if i ever get to it but yeah the worst thing about it is just the, is the direction if, i mean it could i thought it would at least be entertaining and yeah because it's an interesting story and with the right director it could have been but he yeah he was like like a student film it was like the direction was so bad there's so many bad decisions that i just yeah very distracting so i think so obviously be- yeah this one's directed better the the trial of chicago 7 it's not as bad as molly's game from what i saw but it's still uh just yeah makes makes my interest in it go way down well think about that so we so you're a film guy love movies and we just named five movies that have been nominated best drama you've seen one maybe one and a half right so again that's just interesting to me i wonder how many i think i think that and i'm and i'm and i and i'm uh i and and here's the sad thing right and i'm that's so you're one and a half your movie uh, your movie guy everybody this is movie guy movie guy's one and a half and here's me, comic guy. I'm half. I'm 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 twenty five percent. I I saw like twenty percent of Mank, and that's it. I haven't seen any. See, this is a good example of everything we talked about. Some of these movies aren't really available yet. If if they were in theaters, I probably would have seen. Um, I don't know, maybe one or two more. Um, but then also, uh, you have all these con- uh, competing streaming platforms, and so stuff kind of gets lost in the mix there. Um, but then also, I just think the Golden Globe sucks at nominations too. Like, like these were these really the best films of the year? I kind of find that hard to believe. And so, what? You know, so, I, what's I, a, so, what's a film that you're surprised? Okay. Is well, I just saw Judas and the Black Messiah like a week or two ago, and you just said you finished it. Yep. And to me, that movie should have easily, easily been on the best dramatic films of the year uh, list of nominations. Like, definitely one of the best films I've seen all year uh way better than even though i have not finished it than um the, tr- the, the trial, trial of the yeah, yeah. The chicago seven i mean uh it just was like i was just thought that movie was like super well done across the board so why that didn't get a nomination uh i don't i don't know but one of the things that i'm most angry about that i did see on the gold globes list so we'll, we'll probably get this later 
is is I think the one nomination it did get. So um, yeah, we'll see. If, yeah, we'll see if it shows up in here. So uh, last but not least, and definitely the pace we're going, we won't get to get. We're not going yeah, to hit. We're not going to hit. We're not going to hit every category. So I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick. Trey pick some categories after this. But so that being said, which film do you think will win? I'll already tell you my guess. My guess is going to be based on the movie that I'm most interested to see off this list, which, which would be Nomadland. So yeah. I'm going to vote that Nomadland will win. And I hope it does because that's the movie I'm most likely to see first out of this list. Yeah, I think this could be a big year for Nomadland, which is exciting because I think it is one of those movies that maybe might not have gotten as much attention because it is a very understated film if it wasn't the kind of year it was. But it'd be cool if it kind of cleaned up a lot of the awards this year because uh Chloe Zhao's to kind of make the transition to bigger films soon and, and so who knows when she'll go back to this type of filmmaking so it'd be cool if she like to me I say you know give her all the awards like she's she's making some of the best films right now she's um deserving of it so like I I would be fine with her and that movie winning well, that takes us. Uh, when he's been, and also, Nomadland is like I said, just the timing of when it came out with with the pandemic going on, but then also where the country's at. Like it, it was, it really, uh, yeah, it really came out at a time when something like that was needed. So, well, you, um, we're gonna take you take you right from that segue into the director, the best director of a motion picture category. That the category should be nearest and dearest to your director, loving heart. And you'll be happy to know that your, your, your boy, Aaron Sorkin, has been nominated for Best Director. Best, I actually your, don't think your, I saw your, that. Your boy, your boy, Aaron Sorkin, has somehow tripped, wow. tripped his way into a nomination. Uh, so he's been nominated for the... It just goes to show that he's kissed enough ass in Hollywood that uh, he, he's going to get some nominations and statues. Apparently, yeah, he's cashed in some favors. So Aaron Sorkin's been nominated. Uh, and also, you know, you'll see usually all these categories, drama and director, a lot of the same people appear. So uh, Emerald Fennell, the director of Promising a Woman, uh, Chloe Zhao, who we've talked about a lot for Nomadland, David Fincher for Mank, and then uh, Regina, Regina King for One Night in Miami uh, replaced the director of The Father as the one person who is uh, on this list that didn't have a best picture drama. So those are the... We've already talked about the films, so we won't spend too much longer on this. But going with those five as the director nominees, I'm gonna go with Chloe Zhao for winning uh, Best Picture Drama and to win Director. And again, not seeing any of these movies, that's just my guess. So, what, do you uh, think? what were the last two again? Last two nominees: uh, David Fincher and Regina King. Oh. To go with uh, Emerald, Chloe, and Aaron the Sorkin. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to go with Chloe's out too. Uh, I want her to win, and I also think, yeah, she probably will. I can't imagine them giving it to Aaron Sorkin or Regina King. That's like her first movie. Um, uh, and... Uh, who else? The Promising Young Woman. I think that's her first movie. Um, and then what was the other one? Oh, David Fincher. Uh, yeah, they could give it to David Fincher, actually, because I don't know if he's won. And it's kind of one of those movies that, like, you know, is a very is a big technical achievement and stuff. So, yeah, it's definitely between Chloe Zhao and David Fincher. 
Yeah, uh, that makes sense to me. Yeah. You could you could see you could see Regina King slipping in here. She could be the dark horse too. I know she's like she's been hot hot property lately. Uh, you know, it's, it's like a very, I said, it's a, time, it's a very timely film and all that stuff. But it's and, it's her first movie, and um, I heard I heard it was good, but I don't I haven't heard. You know, it's not making all the best of lists like Nomadland. Yeah. Um, actually, that's something that stands out to me. I think this movie will get some. Hopefully, it'll get some Academy Award nominations. It's really like a low. It's a low budget movie, compared, and there's no stars in it. But the movie never rarely, sometimes always, uh, never rarely, sometimes always. That was one definitely one of the best films I'd seen. I've seen all year. Um, Eliza Hitman was the director. She deserved a nomination, in my opinion. And the uh, the two actresses, Sydney Flanagan and Talia Ryder, but especially Sidney Flanagan, uh, who's kind of like the uh, somewhat of a newcomer who played the lead. She, there's one scene in there especially uh, that I think she deserves to get nominated for all the awards this year just for that. So, Oh, that's uh, a strong, strong recommendation here. It kind of frustrating that they completely ignored that movie. Uh, but I guess, yeah. So this is, this is the, uh, this is the, this is your number one pick for awards love that got no love. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I totally thought it would too. I just now thought of it like, yeah, that's because I knew there was one movie that I'm like, that I kept thinking was missing that I really liked this year. And I, and I didn't see it anywhere on there. And yeah, that was, that was it. It's really good. I think it's on HBO max right now. There you go. Listeners, something to pursue. Uh, so speaking of pursue, let's pursue another category here. So here's what's kind of interesting. So, you know, they definitely don't do this in the Oscars because the Oscars are famously like not into comedy and recognizing comedy is apparently something that requires talent. So uh, musical or comedy motion picture nominees. Well, there's a movie called Music, which I've never heard of. But apparently there's a movie called <laughs> oh, Music. Is that like an animated movie? Nope. Oh. It's a movie called Music. There's also a movie called The Prom, which I've never heard of. <sighs> uh, there's a movie called Hamilton, which I have heard of, but I have not seen. There's Palm Springs and there's the, the Borat sequel. Those are the five nominees for musical comedy. So I definitely like pretty much anyone else who was stuck at home definitely found time to see Borat. So I watched the Borat sequel. I saw Palm Springs and actually really enjoyed Palm Springs. It definitely mm -hmm. was one of the better films and one of the more surprisingly like enjoyable films of, of last year. Hamilton, haven't seen the play, haven't seen the movie. The Prom and music, as mentioned earlier, I've never even heard of these movies. I have no idea what they are or what platform they're on. Uh, so those are musical or comedy. So what's interesting there is uh, in drama, I saw a half percent, a quarter percent of all five films. But out of the comedy and musical section, I've seen two of the five films. And out of those films, I would have to say Palm Springs to me was uh, better than it should have been. That would be my pick to win. Uh, so that's my take on it. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to speed it up a little bit. On yeah, the, the uh, I think Palm Springs is the favorite. I think that's the movie that most people saw on that list and that most people want, will want to win and, and kind of has the best chance. I think politically, uh, politics-wise within the Golden Globes, it doesn't have the best chance, but just um, by audience vote and viewer vote, I would say uh, it does. I was just looking up Prom is a movie directed by Ryan Murphy that went straight to Netflix. Like Meryl Streep is in it. Nicole Kidman. I vaguely remember hearing about it, but I didn't really have any interest in seeing it. And then um, the other movie, uh, 
music. Mu- music is that one that was, I guess, written and directed by Sia. You know, the singer Sia. The one who has has like hair over her face. Yeah. So she did this movie, and I the only thing I heard about it is I don't even I didn't even know it came out or what platform it's on. The only thing I heard about it was just a bunch of controversy around it because I think it's about it deals with uh, autism, I think, and people were mad about how the. I think they were mad that someone with autism didn't actually play the autistic person or they were mad at how it was portrayed. But basically the audience that she was sort of making it for all turned on her. And I think the movie like got canceled before it even really came out. So that's what I remember reading about it. So I'm kind of surprised it is nominated after all that controversy, but I, it, it, it did sound vaguely interesting to me, even though I haven't seen anything previews or anything. So um, yeah, I, Palm Springs is great. It was a fun original uh, comedy, some Groundhog Day vibes. But uh, yeah, that I, I liked it, and that would be my my vote to win the Borat one. Borat one was funny, but I mean, yeah, it's hard hard to beat the original, and not and it's hard not to think of the original the whole time you're watching and holding it up to that standard the whole time you're watching the sequel. So um, everybody seemed to. It seems like the girl who played Borat's daughter is the one everyone seemed to have like kind of enjoyed her the most out of the sequel and i've heard her name bounced around the most as a potential like award winner um so that i think if any if it, i think if anything uh, that movie wins anything it'll be more likely for her performance which you know again sure it was you know it was funny it was good i don't know if i was i don't know if i enjoyed it or thought it was a breakthrough performance as much as uh, apparently the media but it was uh, yeah it was good i don't know if borat's going to be getting any academy award nominees but we'll see yeah, yeah. nominations one, one can hope all right so we're going to move into some of the acting categories which i think i know that uh we'll, we will we won't dwell too much on obviously we're going to go with just if you saw the performance great you obviously have a little bit more of an informed opinion but let's go with who we think is going to win so we'll kick that off with the actor in, in a drama motion picture so we've got anthony hopkins for the father riz ahmed for sound of metal chadwick boseman for ma rainey's black bottom the great great gary oldman for mink and Tahir Rahim for the Marsh, the Marshanian, the Marshanian. Is that what it is? How do you pronounce that? Hmm. The Marshanian. <laughs> I don't know. What is that? The Marshanian? That's a movie? I guess so. I, <laughs> I'm like, I'm just, I'm just looking at this. I'm like, it, it looks, I'm like, is that a, is that a word? I don't even know. The Mar, the Morit, the Mauritanian? I don't know. Is it the Mauritanian? Mauritanian, Mauritanian. This is this is where I didn't go to to college. I only I only got a high school diploma. Why can't no. Why can't every movie just be called Mank? Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Can, we, can I just call this movie Mank too? Because that's easier than pronouncing the Maharashian. But see, like that's what that's what makes this this uh, year weird. Like I haven't, yeah, I don't really know anything about that movie. Um, and that's what I'm saying. This is your this is your space, man. You love movies more, you know, more than the average Joe. And I'm like, even you're like, what the heck? You know, so it's just, you know, just it's just very yeah. telling to me, right? So, anyways, out of those, uh, from what I'm aware of, I really enjoyed the sound of metal, and I think Riz Ahmed's a great actor. So uh, I liked his performance. So that would be my my pick for for what I based on. That, I think that's the only one I've fully seen. You know, of course, Gary Oldman, I think, is great. You know, uh, doubt he'll win for this. Uh, I think the the likely winner will be either Chadwick Boseman or Anthony Hopkins, just based on the buzz that I've been hearing on those performances of those two uh, actors and those films. 
I think that Bozeman's probably the favorite because of the, you know, the sentimental reasons. And, you know, apparently it's a good, you know, great performance too. Um, and then Anthony Hopkins, uh, I've heard a lot of buzz because again, he's getting up there in age, hasn't really, you know, he's been, you know, doing great work for forever, has been nominated recently, hasn't won. So I could, I could see it going to either one of those. If I had to bet, I'd go Bozeman uh, just because I'm pretty sure he can't get nominated again after this. So uh, Bozeman, it'd be my, my pick here. Yeah, we'll the posthumous win, I think, will go to Bozeman. I, um, yeah, and I, I haven't seen the film yet either. I do want to see it. He, I've seen um, clips of it, of his performance specifically. It seems like a very physical um, uh, and very... Uh, yeah like very physical performance very um i guess she's like a great performance by him and i so i think he's worthy of winning the award uh, whether he's here or not and then yeah with his like tragic unfortunate death this year i think uh i think the golden globes or capital or whatever maybe i won't use that word but they'll sort of give it to him um with all those things combined but uh yeah r.i.p chadwick boseman not, not not at all to take away because i think he's a great he's a great actor and deserving of the win but um yeah he's probably the probably the favorite i haven't really i've seen sound of metal i thought it was a little bit overrated but um because it was so hyped up but it's, it's still about i still thought it was good i think it's yeah so I, don't I, thought, really, yeah, I, don't, I thought I thought Sound of Metal to me was just, yeah, I don't know if it was overhyped. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, a life-changing film, but I think what I enjoyed about it was just, it was just a subject matter that you just haven't really seen explored like that. At least I haven't seen explored like that before. And, uh, and again, I think Riz Ahmed is just a, you know, a really cool uh, up and coming actor and pretty much everything I've seen him in. Uh, I've enjoyed him in. Yeah. I thought he, he really, you know, kind of carried the movie. Yeah, he's sold and it's cool to see him get all this attention and get nominated and stuff. But, um, yeah, I was just saying I don't really have like a big opinion on this one because I haven't seen a lot of the roles, but I think Chadwick Boseman will, will win it. So so far we haven't had much disagreement. Let's see if see if we can change that up here. Yes, we haven't seen any of the movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean that that uh, that does a uh, that doesn't hurt uh, or doesn't help. Uh, all right. So here's one that I know maybe. Well, I think we might actually have the same opinion here too. But supporting actor in a motion picture. We've got uh, Sasha Baron Cohen for The Trial of Chicago 7. We've got uh, Leslie Odom Jr., which makes me think of Lamar Odom, the basketball player. But Leslie, o Leslie Odom Jr., who uh, for One Night in Miami. And Daniel Kalua for Judas and the Black Messiah. Bill Murray for On the Rocks. And your friend and my friend and pretty much anyone's friend, uh, Jared Leto. Cage? Oh, Jared, Jared Leto yeah. for The Little Things. So we never uh, did talk about the little things in this podcast, but that that's an embarrassing nomination. That's like easily one of the worst movies I've seen in a long time. Probably the worst movie I've seen all year. And uh, yeah, I don't know why that, that just, that, that just sums up the golden globes and their credibility. The fact that they nominated him for that award, they might as well nominate uh, what's his name in that category as well. Hey, you, you and I have his, his, performance is definitely uh whether you want to or not it definitely gets your attention in the movie and i thought his <laughs> performance and i thought his character was the best part about the movie uh which isn't saying much because i also okay doesn't he call one of the detectives poopy pants in the i believe he actually calls one of the, the detectives 
one of the detectives uh, poopy pants in the movie. That's the clip to keep showing on the awards. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, that's, I that's, hope they do. That's the one, dude, because listen, this is what you don't understand, okay? When you're able to make poopy pants sound menacing, okay? That's what Jared Leto was able to do, bro. That's what you, you think it's a joke, man, but he was able. <laughs> I think kidding. I think they should okay. also he, nominated he, Rami he Malek. Able, just, yeah. They should have just gone, gone all the way with it. If they're going to nominate Jared Leto for they, that they, horrible performance, they should nominate Rami Malek for his horrible performance too. They should they should just nominate uh, Rami Malek's bugged out eyeballs yeah. you know, that are basically doing all the acting for him. They're, they're constantly in a state of shock and, and stunned. For, uh, and the award for worst timing uh, and weirdest looks throughout the throughout a film go to rami malik for little things i'm also mad so, at that movie because it took my black anus joke you know i was saving that for something <laughs> you're gonna have to expand on that what you saw little things right unfortunately yeah remember they had the black angus restaurant and the g was like out in the black angus sign and it just said black anus oh i think that i think i spaced right through that it was like part. at the opening scene yeah, what, when uh, the girls the girls being chased, uh, that's all I remember. I don't remember Black Anus. No, Denzel like is helping. He gets a call <laughs> that someone keeps taking out the G on the sign or something. It, really? that, it, that's just a good example of how that movie's all over the place and just like <laughs> it's just a shit show. Um, so out of those nominations, I uh, just saw the movie, so it's fresh in my head. Also, I know a lot of people have been given similar praise, so I'm gonna have to go with Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah to win. Best supporting actor. Uh, I think, I, I, again, he's the only, I mean, that's again, that's him and Jared Leto. Sorry. So, him and Jared Leto are the two performances I've seen. Um, and definitely Kalua's was, I think, the stronger performance. Uh, I love Bill Murray, but I haven't seen On the Rocks. I haven't heard a ton of buzz about the performance. And these other performances I haven't heard a ton of buzz about either. So, I feel like that's, that's the one I'm going with. That's the one that made me the most upset in this list. Like, how is Daniel Kaluuya supporting actor? A supporting actor. He's playing Fred Hampton in a movie about Fred Hampton. He's like obviously the lead actor of the movie. I'm just so irritated that that's like the only nomination they gave that movie and it's best supporting actor. It's like a slap in the face. I mean, Lakeith Stanfield should have been nominated for best supporting actor, Daniel Kaluuya should have been nominated for best actor. It's the dumbest thing. It's just like, it's so, it makes me so angry. And the Golden Globes is like notorious for doing that, giving leading actors, supporting actor roles because they just want to spread yeah. everything so thin and nominate everyone. But for that performance specifically, which I thought uh, was easily one of the best performances of the year, honestly, if not. And I, I like him. I like him as an actor, but that made me see him in a whole new light of like, how good of an actor he really is um oh yeah oh for sure i mean same thing i've seen him obviously in get out and seen him in other stuff you know um like black mirror and i mean he, yeah he's a he's a I, I haven't seen a bad performance he's a good actor right. but like like you said he he showed another dimension another layer of you know just how mature of an actor he is already at this young age with that performance yeah. and he like, gained, like you could tell he gained a lot of weight for the movie like he just really transformed himself and uh to me i was like like it's a very obvious like Oscar worthy performance, I think. And so it just, um, it just irritated me. I'm like best supporting actor. Are you kidding me? He's like, he's, <laughs> he's the lead. He's the lead. The movie is about this guy's life and he's playing Fred Hampton. It's just, uh, it's infuriating. It just makes me, it's just every reason why I hate the Golden Globes. 
there but you yeah. have it. But yes, he should definitely win, even though he was the lead actor. So supporting, I'm just going to skip to supporting actress in a motion picture is Amanda Seyfried or Seyfried or whatever. I think it's Amanda Seyfried uh, for Mank. If Jared, by the way, if Jared Leto beats Daniel Kaluuya, if he beats him for best supporting actor for the little things, I might break my TV. I don't know. I'll I'll I'll, I'll pledge right now, actually, on this podcast. I'll never ever watch the Golden Globes. I'll protest the Golden Globes for the rest of my life. I will never watch it again if Jared Leto wins. But uh, do you really watch it that much? Is that that is that much of a threat? Are no, you really I'm not losing, gonna, uh, Are you losing much there? I don't. No, I don't want to make that big of a threat where I lose some like thing which, that's super which, valuable. Which, which shows that you fear would, the you fear that Leto could maybe win. That there's I, enough. I uh, of course I do. I mean, the fact that the Golden Globes nominated Leto, yes, I fear their stupidity and how that they might actually give him the award. Yeah. If if he does win, I just hope he walks to the podium like he walked in his character walked in Little Things. I hope he does his Frankenstein walk to the podium. There's uh, so many well, bad lines in that movie. <laughs> Actually, I'll, actually, I'm, I'm gonna pivot. Remember, I'm gonna... remember what he calls Denzel and Rami Malek butt buddies too? I definitely remember that <laughs> because I was. I like did he write his I own was, lines I, in this movie? I was delighted to hear that butt buddies is still thrown around. Well, to be fair, it's kind of a period piece film, so maybe it was trying to date itself. But I'm like, wow, I haven't heard no, butt buddies. In I think Jared Leto so says long. that. I think he still says that. I would. I hope I can uh, someday watch the director's cut. And to find out that it was Jared Leto ad-libbed at. You know, the script said, you two screwballs. But I was like, my character would say butt buddies, not yeah. screwballs. Butt buddies, with, but, but, you know, that I'm fighting for that. You know, I'm not going to leave my trailer until I, I know get the, the script says you two jerks. But, you know, I have this running joke with my 30 <laughs> Seconds to Mars bandmates that I always call them butt buddies. And so I thought that'd be funny. You're like, All right, Leto, you just do whatever you want. We don't really care. This movie's a ripoff of Seven anyway. And nobody's well I, I and, and then and then i can't wait you know he goes you know Den, denzel's sitting there in the corner like are we ready yet are we ready they're like jared's doing some method guys he's doing some of his method denzel's like i'll do some method over his head if you'll get the scene started and then and then, and then jared little walks over he's like he's like sorry denzel sorry sorry uh, just had to switch one line just didn't feel authentic didn't feel authentic so it's going to be butt buddies. I'm going to yell butt buddies. <laughs> and I would love, I would love just to see Denzel's face during that conversation. And like, the whole time all right, is all right, y'all, done, y'all done with your method now. You're done with your method. Can we get on? The scene and, and, and the whole time is that conversation's going on. Robbie Malik's just in the corner going, hmm. <laughs> yeah. making weird, like groaning sounds with his, like this weird smirk on his face. Rami Malik's more like, hey, listen, guys, guys, guys. As the most recent Oscar winner, okay, I have one most recently out of the three of us. I think that my idea should actually, and he kind of constantly reminds them that he recently won. And so he's not as well known as the two of them, but he's also the most recent award recipient. I like I like to think of those dynamics taking place when that movie's being made. It, it helps me sleep at night just think about these things. Speaking Robbie, of- Robbie Malik should be nominated for playing like a, a zombie family man like uh that's beyond <laughs> beyond his range obviously speaking of which uh it's it, we're, we're almost at time we're yes. almost at the end of our time here so i want to actually big finale hit, i want to hit one final topic that actually is a unique topic that you won't get in the uh, oscars you only get this in the golden globes because they do mix tv and movies together so i i'm curious to see which of these series we've seen and which we think because again 
during the pandemic, we've all been binging shows more than watching movies. I mean, clearly we both have, because I know we both watch plenty of content, but we haven't seen a lot of these movies for a variety of reasons. I just keep so, watching Tiger King over and over. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> uh, so so for the the three, uh, let's talk about the, the nominations for best drama series as our finale here. The nominations for best drama series are The Mandalorian, The Phenom, The, the Phenom, the uh, phenomenon that has swept uh real quick dude if we ever get a female or a woman or (laughs) listen to listen uh listener on this podcast they're gonna be really upset that we just pan skipped over all the uh actress nomination well to be fair to be fair i started to get into that and then you hijacked us and went on, and you went and took Wait, us down. I hijacked I, us or Jared Leto hijacked us? That's the question. Uh, see, look, this, is this going to be turned into the Jared Leto podcast? Because he he somehow, I think he's been mentioned. I think he's been mentioned in every podcast so far. Yeah. So that, it's going to stay that way. He's he's a, fo- he's a he's a real foil, real foil for you. So it's my arch nemesis. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, you should, you should uh, create your own cover band, you know, and what you can call the. What's his name? 30 Rock? What are they called again? What's his name of his band again? 30, 30 Seconds of Mars. Mars. You could be like 30 sec. You could be 33 Seconds of Mars. Be like Did, the Jared Leto. I, I have a story. Maybe we'll save for another podcast. So where I met Jared Leto at a 30 Seconds for Mars uh, show. Kind of a show. It was like the Lollapalooza side stage. And I like yelled something at him. And Did you ever, you hear, that? That? Did you ever hear that story? <laughs> you guys had a moment? <laughs> yeah. All right. We're, we're, let's let let's hit this list. Mm-hmm. You give your Jared Leto story, and then it's time to close it down. So the the, the nominations for best dramatic TV series of 2020 was The Mandalorian, Ratched, Ratched, Ozark, Lovecraft County or Country. I always say, I always want to say County for some reason. Lovecraft Country, and The Crown. So out of these five films or shows, I should say. I've seen Lovecraft Country. I've seen I've seen that. I like that. Uh, I see. Da, 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 I saw the first two, uh, the first season and a half of Ozark, and I liked it, but I kind of forgot about it. So, Ozark but, seems like your type of show. I, I everyone raves about it, but I haven't seen it. So it's. I mean, it's it's kind of like you know, it's a, definitely like a not as good version of of Breaking Bad in a lot of ways. But it's you know, I, I liked enough to to to. I said watch the first season, but I didn't have like a huge draw to return right away uh obviously i've seen the mandalorian and so uh have not seen ratchet i know that's a, i know that's a ryan murphy prequel to one flew of the cuckoo's nest i've heard mixed things wow. about that it is yeah ratchet ratchet is about nurse ratchet the nurse from one oh. flew of the cuckoo's nest it's her origin i didn't know story. it was like an official like prequel uh i don't know if it's official but it's it's uh it's the same character okay um, and then the crown, which obviously I've heard about the crown. A lot of people love the crown, rave about the crown. It always is in like the awards mix every year. Uh, I don't even know if I would like it or not. Is he uh, the American Horror Story guy, Ryan Murphy? Yeah. So is it like an American Horror Story ratchet or something different? No, I, I don't think it's related to American Horror okay. Story. I think it's, but it's the same. It's got uh, Sarah Paulson, you know, his his main muse for from mm. the, that from that series and uh, and you know I don't. I watch. And you do yeah, I like I like I like the OJ and the uh, also the uh, Versace. Uh, yeah, that, the those American ones. Pride. Yeah, those are both entertaining. I, I like those. I like both those. So, 
Ryan Murphy, he's 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 okay by I me. Mean, he's he's hit or miss, but when he hits, he's definitely good TV. Uh, so I I'm gonna say that I think the Mandalorian uh, was definitely the most enjoyable escapist uh, show last year. Um, I think that uh, I could see it winning just by sheer popularity, uh, but I could also see Lovecraft Country winning uh, a because it was really experimental, really good, really original, and it also was um, really popular too. So. I think it's going to be between those two series. You said uh, you didn't you didn't finish that because I didn't finish that yet. Lovecraft. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Oh, you? Yeah, I finished it. it. Yeah, I liked did it. Did you yeah. like it better than Watchmen? Uh, hard to say actually. I would say probably I'll enjoy Watchmen more just because it was something that I had really low expectations for. I didn't think it would be good. I didn't think it would work, and it surprised me. And obviously, being a fan of the source material, um, I I think I got a little bit more of a kick out of it. Um, but, uh, but no, they're both, you know, similar quality, uh, really high quality shows, really well done, original, interesting, all that fun stuff. Uh, so those would be my, my votes for what I think will win and what probably should win. Um, but, uh, what have you seen out of those lists and what would you think would win? I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen any of those shows. I don't really watch. What? That's not true. What? You said you saw some Lovecraft. Yeah, I saw some. I saw like two episodes. And you haven't seen any of them? I liked them. I, I thought it was cool. I want to, I just, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, I haven't uh, finished it. And I've seen like bits and pieces of The Crown when Jackie's watching it. And I, and it's always like the set design and, and the act, like Olivia Coleman's great in it. Like there's a lot of impressive things about it, but I've, I just don't really care about British royalty. And so, yeah. Uh, I'll like watch it with a little bit if it's on with Jackie, but yeah, I don't, I'm not going to invest all the time into that. Um, and yeah, still, I would think we watched the pilot of Ozark and it was like, yeah, it was like, it felt like kind of breaking badish. It was like a pretty good pilot, but I don't know, man, it's, it takes like for me to commit to a show, it's gotta like really be something I'm excited about. And none of those are really shows I'm excited about. So what's the last show that you were excited about? <laughs> um, Tiger King. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've heard, I mean, I mean, honestly, honestly now, I mean, as I've heard us talk through this show, I kind of feel like Jared Leto should play. Uh, Tiger King. Joe, he, Joe, he actually, Jared, you know what? Leto, Jared Leto would be an amazing. Yeah, Joe as much as I can't stand Jared Leto, he would be a good Joe Exotic. But I could, I could much, it's much easier for me to imagine Jared Leto transforming transforming into a believable looking and acting Joe Exotic than Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage, I feel like, is going to give us Nicolas Cage impersonating Joe Exotic. Yeah, but Jared Leto would still. I feel like I could picture him as Joe Exotic because he he's got some Joe Exotic in him. But I think he would just try to do too much with the role and he would ruin it. So I'd much rather see Nicolas Cage have fun with that role than Jared Leto try to do his... I don't even want to call it method acting because it's not. It's like Jared Leto. It's like Leto method acting. It's his own little stupid thing he's created. <laughs> so he would bring Leth that... Method acting? Leto? Method, yeah. Leto? Leto? L yeah, I don't know. But Leto, he would bring his uh, version of method acting into it and I feel like just mess it up. So... But but yeah, visually I could picture him and uh, and even some of his personality as as a Tiger King type. And he kind of 
he kind of acts like a Joe Exotic in his personal life. He's he's got like a cult and all this stuff. So <laughs> I wouldn't even be surprised if he has a pet tiger. Um, okay. Digress. Um TV shows. Right. Yeah, I've not seen You're those. Right. I, I can't even think of the last TV. Like I, I I like to watch documentary series though. That's why Tiger King was easy, easy to watch. The, do, the docu-series, I can sort of it doesn't take much for me to get invested in, in Listen, those. No one on this podcast wants to hear you repeat yourself about what you love. What we want is you to answer the damn question. You said the last TV show. What was the last TV show? Not docu-series, not Tiger King. What's the last actual dramatic TV series that you're dramatic. into? Like like a, like a, The Wire, Mad Men, Sopranos. I know last... you'd have to name some because it's like the last... Breaking, Breaking Bad is we... like maybe what I can think of. All right, so but I know there. Know. I know there's been one since. I just can't. Uh, In the interest of patience mm-hmm. and brevity, we're gonna go with Breaking Bad as your last, yeah. as your last show. So with that, why don't you, you know, thrill the audience with your Jared Leto story, and oh. bring us and bring us home, brother, so we can wrap up episode three. Yeah, it's not that great of a story, but Jared. So Jared, our brother, the third. Brother the third brother that we're mentioning, we're revealing there's a third brother yes. in episode three. The younger brother. He uh there's, there's a, we may we may allow him on here someday. We have to make we have to make sure that uh we clear it with all the state laws and whatnot. Yeah. So we were at Lollapalooza and this is kind of when 30 seconds of Mars was like kind of first starting out and they were playing a side stage. And uh we were as kind of in between bands. <laughs> we're in, in between bands waiting for another band to come up and watched the end of his performance. And he, Jared Leto, like in the beginning of 30 Seconds to Mars, he had taken a break from acting too, I think, but he was like fully, he looked like cosplay Kurt Cobain. Like he had the half bleached hair, really long. I think he was even wearing the Kurt Cobain, like clout goggles. Like he was he Freddy Krueger sweater. Like he was wearing all the, he looked just like Kurt Cobain. And there was like a bunch of like teeny bopper girls in the front, all screaming for him there was maybe like 20 people there was not a lot of people there so we were just, I, jared and i were just kind of watching him and, and what year is this and i don't even remember if you had to guess uh man 2000 2006 or something i don't know maybe like 2006 so like so like almost 15 years ago <laughs> yeah yeah it seems like a long time ago yeah, i mean it was we're, um, we're old yeah uh and uh so so you know jared gets kind of star not jared little but jared brother <laughs> jared jared our brother kind of gets starstruck around celebrities and so i think he was like he was kind of excited to see jared little and i was like oh man this is i was like this is just pathetic he's just pretending to be kirk Cobain. he's just acting and this is so funny so i was just sort of watching it sort of laughing to myself waiting waiting for them to end so the next band would come up anyway afterwards they had a little booth little merch booth set up and jared Leto was signing autographs for um all the 36 of ours fans and jared our brother went in line to, so it was a bunch of these little teeny bopper girls it wasn't even that long of a line but jared went way in line because i guess jared wanted a jared leto autograph so and, uh, and just we'll pause there do you think because they have the same name that jared maybe, a connection to him that it's like, that, like all jared's stick together yeah but that's where the, so that's where the story gets funny so so tom morello was had a tent like just uh, across the way, uh, signing, doing some stuff and talking about so Tom this. Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. If, yeah, if, guitar, if, people the, are, if people aren't familiar, guitarist for Rage Against the Machine and audio. I think he was there with Audio Slave. 
Um, and he was doing a thing for Axis of Justice. And I was like, oh, I want to go meet Tom Rillo. And there was like no one at his tent thing. So I was walking over there. So I didn't want to lose Jared. So I, so I was, so I started yelling to Jared that I was going to be over there. So I was like, Jared. <laughs> and you know, Jared, like he does not, he always just sort of wanders. He doesn't answer right away. Like, like Jared, I'm like yelling at him, Jared. And then as I'm yelling at him, like Jared Leto looks up at me like at the booth, like stop signing, looks up at me like, what, dude? And I realized like I'm yelling, Jared, Jared. And he thinks I'm yelling Jared at him, at Jared Leto. He thinks I'm yelling, Jared, <laughs> Jared. And so he looks at me like, holy, I'm sure like, what, dude, what do you want? And I'm, now I'm looking at Jared Leto like, oh. Uh, and I don't like, I don't want to be like, oh, I'm talking to my brother, not you. So I didn't want to try to explain the whole thing. So I just was like, uh, I was like, <laughs> Are you ever gonna make a movie with David Fincher? I said, I said, are you ever gonna make another movie with David Fincher? Because I think at that room, that that time he'd made like uh, that was your, wait, I just that was your deer in the headlights response. So no, once you would deer in the headlights, you, I was you turn around, I was, and, you turn around and unexpectedly meet the gaze of Jared Leto, and your response is, yeah, I ever no, gonna work with David? It wasn't Fincher that. Again. I was like kind of making fun of him because he had um. He had done, I think, Fight Club yeah, and Fight like, Club. Panic Room at that point, but I don't think he had done anything since he had done any acting in a while. Which, which it's required for when Jared Leto works with David Venture, he has to do dramatically different hair. Hair, yeah. So he had completely maybe like, I said something peroxide blonde hair, and then he had did dreadlocks. So maybe I said he, something. About he didn't want hair. anyone. He didn't want anyone to confuse his characters in yeah. those two movies. So, so that's that's how it was in my memory anyway. I said, I said like, Jared, are you ever gonna do another movie with David Fincher? I don't. I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I just said something because it was this weird awkward moment. Because then all the girls that were in line were all looking at me. There, everybody I realized all of a sudden was looking at me like I'm yelling at Jared Leto. And so I was like, so afterwards I was like, Jared, I was trying to yell for you. You, I was like, you weren't looking. I was telling you that I was going over there, and that's why Jared Leto started looking at me because he thought I was yelling at him. And he's like, Yeah, why did you say that? You were like such a dick. He's, I was like, What? He's like, You're like Jared Leto. Are, are you ever gonna make a movie with David Fincher again? <laughs> Yes. Did Jared, that, did Jared Leto even answer, or did he? What did he just? He, he said, uh, Jared, "I think he, he seemed a little bit embarrassed because I don't think he had done any acting in a while." And he said something like, uh, "Yeah, if he ever calls me, or something like that." I, you know, it's funny. He gave, I, he gave you like, "Yeah, if he ever calls me," and then just put his head down, and started signing autographs again, kind of thing. Or, yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. And uh, but Jared said I that I said something really mean. I was like, I didn't say anything mean. I said I just said something because he was looking at me and you weren't. So anyway, it was a whole like. But Jared's version of it's a little bit different. But I don't think I say anything. Mean. But I, I I feel like I'm always gonna have these weird like. Someday I'll actually meet him in person again. And it's gonna be another sort of like Larry David situation because uh, <laughs> we also I also had a situation recently where I was talking to like a friend like uh, Shelby's husband, but but he's like music engineer. He's like worked with Trent Reznor and he's like worked with Trent Reznor and like David Fincher's come over, Jared Leto's come over. And he, I guess did work on like a 30 seconds from Mars album or something, but I was, I didn't know a lot of this. And I was talking, we were talking about Jared Leto and I was like, oh, I can't stand Jared Leto. I said something like that. And he's like, Oh, I, he's actually a really nice guy. Like I've met him a few times and hung out with him and did his album and all stuff. And he's like, yeah, he's actually, I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm sure he's nice. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I, something something tells me that that there would be a, there would be a moment if you ever actually spent like time with Jared Leto and you had like lunch together, you would like join his cult. 
you would yeah you would you would like completely like fall in love with him and he'd be like your white kanye he'd be my he'd butt be like, buddy dude yeah he'd We'd be, be... Like, <laughs> you're like you're like bro i take everything back like, he'd be I, my I, butt buddy i misjudged you like i basically was intimidated by your like handsomeness all these years yeah, and that now you, that you that you never age and uh, yeah. that you're still dating 17 year old girls like uh, i just you know, yeah i don't uh, i don't know i don't think that'll ever happen but i might join his cult one day we might become butt buddies uh and maybe my nickname for him will be poopy pants <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on bring, that note, folks, bring it all home bring it all home <laughs> and on that note uh you know we're gonna end this podcast on jared leto i'll leave you with that um sweet dreams i hope uh, you all dream of jared leto tonight or if this is if you're listening to this during the morning hope you daydream about jared leto but um yeah yeah and, and, and please see more of these movies and shows that we have uh clearly we're all not doing our part uh to participate enough in the viewing of world-class critical choice shows so or maybe hollywood's not doing their part and putting out enough stuff that really uh is grabbing our attention or maybe the golden globes are just doing a bad job at nominating the wrong films like judas and black messiah which they snubbed and sometimes rarely always which they snub so that's my defense there you have it and also jared leto <laughs> <laughs>